This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thank you for tuning in. It is 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. I am Cam Edwards. And I'm sorry, I once again flying solo this week. Uh, Missy is, as I record this, um, through with two days of chemotherapy, and uh, it's kind of kicking her butt. It uh, day two was was kind of rough. She's uh, feeling a little nauseous, feeling very very tired. Uh, feeling very tired after the first day as well. Had a, a thumper of a headache that would not go away, so she went to bed uh, pretty early last night. I have a feeling that's going to be the same this evening. Uh, uh, Friday, the last day of chemo for the month of October. She doesn't have to go back until November, so hopefully she's going to start feeling better. Uh, thank you again for all of your well wishes. She's been uh, following along, and uh, it really means a lot. Um, her Instagram account at Corny Goat Farm. If you want to uh, say hello and wish her well, but uh, it's uh, it, yeah, it's kind of sucked this week. But we knew, we knew going in, it was kind of gonna suck, and uh, yep, it has in fact kind of sucked this week. Could be worse. Uh, keep telling ourselves that uh, today, Missy had some company. Uh, there were a few other uh, patients who were getting chemo. One woman um, has been undergoing chemo for a year. Uh, another woman has been going since July, uh, is also undergoing radiation, and is going to have surgery uh, after that. So um, they chatted. Uh, Missy e was able to ask uh, these women you know, some questions because they'd been going through this. And um, it's, you know, it's funny the things that you don't think about um all of the emails and family members who have personal experience and friends who have personal experience with going through cancer and all the things that uh, that, that that people are telling us about chemotherapy so we go uh for our first day of chemo and i say we we go for missy's first day of chemo and um they ask you to get there a little ahead of time they they do what they call chemo class and the nurse comes in and she talks to us about the side effects and what to expect and you know all the things that we thought that we knew and the things that we thought we had heard and no no there was a lot of new stuff that uh, that I was unfamiliar with that, that all of a sudden was sort of sprung on us so um, the idea that 
the the medicine, the chemotherapy, the the, the drug is so toxic apparently to uh, the human skin, to to the human, the the external part of the body, uh, and I guess toxic to the internal part of the body too. Now that I'm thinking about it, since it's you know killing off the rapidly dividing cells. Uh, anyway, it's a bad idea for other people to come into contact with the drugs in any form or fashion. And the drugs stay in your system for a while, a couple days uh, after the chemo is through. And so, uh, probably through the weekend, Missy has to do things like, uh, when she when she pees, uh, has to close the lid and flush twice in order to make sure that none of the toxic chemicals are uh, remaining. If Missy sweats in her sleep at night, probably going to need to change the sheets uh, because the chemical, the, the toxic chemicals are extruded through your sweat. Uh, the kids can't kiss Missy on the cheek right now. they got to do the sort of like the air mwah, kiss. Um, that kind of goes for me, too. I was, I was sort of given a spousal exemption on that, just told, you know, be careful. But I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to make her sick. Uh, obviously, you know, constant washing of hands. I did ask about uh, uh, the livestock that we have here and uh, basically was told, you know, Missy needs to stay away from the chickens. She she can't be cleaning the coop. I was like, well, yeah, I I knew that part. Like I just did that a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I, I, I figured that much. Uh, chickens are the real concern, not so much the uh, the pigs or the goats. And I'm not sure if that is because chickens are actually more of a concern, or the uh, doctors in the area just have more uh, experience with chickens and chicken poop and don't realize just how much poop we're talking about. We're talking about pigs. And goats, because I got to tell you, it's a lot, just like the chickens. But apparently, the, uh, the the chickens actually do have some bacteria that can really mess you up. Uh, so Missy will be staying away from the chickens. Uh, she is good to eat the eggs still, so we've got that going for us. So there's just all kinds of these rules and uh, I was going to say rules and regulations, but no, they're just rules to 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 keep Missy healthy uh, throughout the course of this process. And, uh, and we'll, we'll sort of muddle our way through uh, over the next four months. I, I'm not thinking of it as four months, by the way, and I'm encouraging Missy not to think of it as four months because that sounds like a long time. Uh, I'm encouraging her to think of it as 12 days. You got 12 days of treatment, then it's the recovery time in between. And you know what? You're already down, right? Start out with 12, then uh, now we're 11. Now, now you, got, you got 10 days left. You can do it. We can get through this. Uh, and she is, um, I gotta say, she's, she's pretty positive. For someone who is not ordinarily a, uh, a very positive person, um, she is doing a real good job of, of trying to think positively and, you know, trying to be strong. Uh, I actually, you know, I, I thought this week would be harder for us, um, and it is hard, don't get me wrong, and I know that it's hard for her because she feels awful right now. And it's hard for me because she feels awful, and what can I do? I can't do anything other than run out to the store and get her ginger ale and hope that that makes her feel better. But I think it's not as hard as we were maybe expecting it to be. And I think that's coming. Uh, I think when the uh, physical changes appear, and, you know, I, I, I take that back uh, because the physical changes have already appeared. She has a port sticking out of her 
uh, collarbone area right now. Uh, she's nauseous when she is standing up. That, that's a physical change. Uh, I, I guess when her hair starts to fall out is when I think it's going to hit us both and probably hit the the kids as well. Right before uh, we started the podcast, I was talking to my daughter and uh, Missy's birthday is, is Friday and my daughter wanted to stay home from school uh, so she could be with her mom. And I said, well, I said, you know, mom has to go to the doctor in the morning. She's going to come back. She's going to be tired. She's going to go to sleep. And so there's really no point in you staying home because you can't, you know, she's not going to be awake uh, while you're here. But by the time you get home from the bus in the afternoon, she'll have had her nap and, you know, she'll, she should be awake and you can wish her happy birthday when you get in if you don't see her in the morning. And uh, it, it, and she knew this. She knew it wasn't practical. She knew that she would do. I, I was. I could. I could be here and I could help with the dogs. And I was like, "Well, I, I really appreciate that, but you know, we've got that covered too, and we're we're okay. We're good to go." Um, and then, because I'm a dummy and it takes me a while sometimes, I, I thought, you know, this is this is her way of of letting me know that she's freaked out about this. She hasn't really talked to me. Uh, much about this and so I asked are you okay and you know the tears started welling up and the brave nod of the head and um, and I'm not going to get into the entire conversation because that's kind of between a father and a child but she got a hug and she got a kiss on the head and we talked for a few minutes about everything that's going on and and it, it, it you know each and every one of us are impacted by this uh, in our own ways and you can kind of get in your own head um, and part of it I think is I'm so positive and I'm trying to be so positive and you know listen there's there's so many reasons why we shouldn't freak out that um, I guess I need to recognize that while that argument might work for me it doesn't work for everybody in my family and there are some people in the family who are kind of freaking out <laughs> quietly uh, and in their own way about what's going on. So, uh, again, thank you for keeping us in your thoughts and prayers. They are absolutely needed and wanted uh, and very much appreciated right now. All right, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, we have actually, uh, there, there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about this week here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Uh, we've got a lot of your emails to get to. Uh, including, by the way, some more comments about cow farts. And yes, it's it's true. I saw the story. I saw the the cow with the backpack and the methane and the oh, good gravy! It is uh, it, it's it's coming to a pasture near you before long. Uh, we've got more as well. So stick around. We are just getting started here on this edition of Forty Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. 
If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Out here on the picnic table for this week's, well, not on, at this week's picnic table for uh, this week's 40 Acres and a Fool, Cam Edwards. Uh, Let's see, tonight's accompanying beverages, uh, we have the blueberry soda from uh, the main root soda company or something like that uh blueberry soda i saw it in the grocery store i didn't know that they had such a thing as blueberry soda and you know what it kind of tastes like carbonated blueberry juice which i guess is what a blueberry soda should taste like uh, also uh belmont farms which is a virginia distillery in uh cumberland virginia a couple hours north of us in the farmville area uh having some of their whiskey this evening i i've I've not actually had a sip of this whiskey stone cold sober right now but i keep getting these emails egging us on oh it's so much fun you guys drank so uh i I do hate to drink alone but uh i am going to have a sip of this let you know what i think of the uh belmont farms whiskey Mm. well that's really good it's actually uh kind of sweet uh, nice smoky bite to it. A uh, little uh, pepper on the tip of your tongue as an aftertaste, and kind of hits it right at the back of the throat. But uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was kind of on the fence. Um, I hadn't tried this uh, variety before. It does kind of linger a little bit. Kind of a, oh, not quite a burnt malt uh, towards the end, but it is definitely a a smoky malt. Very, very smoky, very charcoaly uh, malt there towards the end. I mean, that's the one sort of off note that I'm fine with that. Anyway, told you I had not had a sip before I uh, sat down here. Uh, just, you know, I like, I think I've talked about this before, I like drinking local. I like finding the local stuff. My favorite distillery so far in uh, Virginia is from Appalachian Mountain Spirits. It's the, it's actually, it's the Revelation, which is a single malt. Uh, whiskey that they make at Appalachian Mountain Spirits. I've only been lucky enough to find one bottle in more than two years. Uh, I have never seen it at the ABC store. I just happened to be at the Appalachian Mountain Spirits uh, uh, store in Marion, Virginia, and they had a bottle, and I tried it, and oh, wow. It's amazing. But they also do uh, the Warhorn Whiskey, uh, which is also uh, quite good gotta say uh now i was hanging out at the cigar shop in farmville this afternoon i I keep we need a distillery because two doors down from me in the nra news studios we have the herf house cigar shop and so i was hanging out with mike who runs the herf house i stopped off for a uh a bit of a smoke after cam and company was off the air and there were a couple of fellas in in the uh uh, shop and we were uh, smoking and talking and uh, one guy was, we, so we started talking about uh, bourbon and, and uh, drinks because one guy was drinking, 
And of course, now I can't remember the name of the brand of the uh, whiskey that he was drinking, but uh, he was drinking something that wasn't from Virginia, but uh, really, <laughs> really good. Uh, I, I've seen it. it is a top shelf bourbon. And so we were talking about this, uh, and he brought up there's a distillery around Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, called Silverback, and he says they make a really good gin. I've had their vodka. I have to say, was not enamored with their vodka, but uh, he swears by the gin. So I will probably at some point be picking up a bottle of the Silverback gin to try because it's fun to drink local. It, it's and it's good for the economy, right? It has to be good for the economy. It's good for their economy anyway. It's the neighborly thing to do. And we need people to do neighborly things right now because I don't know if this is, I, I don't know what, what things are like where you are, but it does sort of seem, just looking around at the national stories, that more and more people are losing their ever-loving minds in the uh, build-up to Election Day. I saw the story out of Wisconsin. The uh, independent newspaper in Great Britain had the story. A woman arrested on Monday after allegedly smearing peanut butter on 30 cars parked outside what she thought was a pro-Donald Trump rally. It was uh, Amherst Junction, Wisconsin. Christina Ferguson was arrested after interrupting what turned out to be a meeting of a local environmental organization, Tomorrow River Conservation Club. Yeah, maybe there were some Trump stickers on the cars outside. I don't know. But Christina Ferguson walked into the meeting, according to witnesses, holding a, quote, family-sized jar of low-sodium, creamy, natural jiff. Well, at least she didn't skimp. At least she didn't go with the store-brand peanut butter to smear on those cars. And she started shouting about how much she hated Donald Trump. Just walked in, you're holding a meeting of your conservation club, all of a sudden, stranger walks in with a family-sized jar of peanut butter screaming about how much she hates Donald Trump. I'd, I'd be on the phone to authorities at that point. Uh, she was asked to leave the premises, but shortly thereafter, members went to check the uh, uh, parking lot just to make sure. Like, why did she have the peanut butter? Oh, God, I'll be right back. Uh, one witness who allegedly caught Ms. Ferguson spreading peanut butter on a car shouted at her before calling police, reports the Independent. When officers from the Portage County Sheriff's Department questioned Ms. Ferguson, she claimed that she hadn't left her apartment that night while allegedly licking her fingers repeatedly, according to the complaint. No, I, I have not. I haven't left my, sorry, stuck to the roof of my mouth. Haven't left my apartment all night. I'm, I'm, I really... When pushed as to why she had committed the offense, oh, one of the meeting uh, members identified her, and uh, then she admitted her involvement. Uh, lying to officers is a crime, too, you know. Uh, the Independent says, when pushed as to why she had committed the offense, Ms. Ferguson talked about, quote, how much she loved Hillary Clinton and hated Donald Trump. Uh, no word on, on what she thinks about peanut butter. Ms. Ferguson reportedly said, quote, peanut buttering is better than firebombing. And Trump plans on firebombing everybody in other countries. Actually, you know, you don't know what his secret plan is. His secret plan could be peanut buttering everybody. Particularly those with uh, terrorists with nut allergies. You don't know, Ms. Ferguson. You do not know. And yet you assume and look at what happens. Uh, when she realized... More like when she was informed. Uh, when she realized that she had mistakenly identified the meeting as a Trump rally, she was remorseful, saying that she was, quote, just fed up about the entire election. As many Americans are. 
most of us don't resort to smearing peanut butter on total strangers' cars. Right? I I mean, even in the bluest of blue cities, like Alexandria, Virginia, which is pretty gosh darn blue, there are some Republicans, probably not many of them, there are some conservatives, there are some Donald Trump supporters. I have not seen any stories out of Alexandria, Virginia, or Berkeley, California, where I assume there may be one or two conservatives still hanging around, or Denver, Colorado, Tacoma Park, Maryland. I haven't seen any story from any blue enclave about the cars of Hillary Clinton supporters or or the cars that uh, people who are alleged or assumed to be Hillary Clinton supporters being peanut buttered. This is it. This is the only one that I've seen. And it's in Wisconsin. And it was someone who was peanut buttering cars that she thought were uh, the cars of Trump supporters. Uh, the uh, chief deputy, Ken Kanto, says, uh, fortunately it wasn't chunky peanut butter, so the vehicles didn't get scratched. Woof. Well, that's good. Uh, and maybe a key bit of info that I have uh, saved until last. The complaint claims that Ms. Ferguson smelled strongly of alcohol and her blood alcohol level was 0.218. Yes, more than twice the legal limit for driving, getting up towards three times the uh, legal limit for driving, and certainly uh, well past the limit of making rational and informed decisions. But... Um, Again, the election seems to be doing this to a lot of people. Although, who knows? You might be able to dig into the police reports, find some story of like, you know, April of 2013, not an election in sight, and Miss Ferguson's out there smearing jelly on golf carts. You know, no, I, I, I don't know. I, that, that could not have happened at all. But, uh, I, I, you know, look, if this election has driven this woman to such madness where she's peanut buttering strangers cars uh she lives in wisconsin they've, they've had some topsy-turvy elections in wisconsin over the past couple of years there, there, there may be some sort i was going to say paper trail but maybe that's not the right word for it uh maybe some sort of grocery list of uh, items that have been smeared on other items in uh, elections past we might be talking about a serial smearer there in Wisconsin. You never know. We need to do some digging. All right, we're going to step away for a moment or two, but we do have more from 40 Acres and a Fool. I would like to hear if there are people in your neighborhood or your community who are losing their minds over the election or if they're all sort of keeping calm and carrying on. Uh, We will try to do that, and we will return right after a quick break. So stick around. There's much more on the way. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The basic lie of socialism, of statism, is that you can benefit and you can live at the expense of everyone else, and it won't affect you. And with Obama, with, with healthcare in this country, that's where we've seen this more than anywhere else. You can pay twenty dollars for a doctor's visit, and that's all you're expected to pay, and everything else is covered. Depends on your health care plan. Somebody else is paying for it. Eventually, somebody else is paying for it catches up with us. Buck Sexton, weekdays noon to three p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. So did you hear about the uh, animals rescued in the, quote, farmyard of horrors uh, in Ohio? This is how the Daily New York Daily News reported, because, of course, 
It's the New York Daily News. Uh, over 100 animals rescued from farmyard of horrors in Ohio. Now, it wasn't a farmyard, by the way. It was a backyard. It was a backyard in a subdivision, uh, and it wasn't that somebody had their backyard uh, you know, flock of five chickens. No, no. Uh, Brown County, Ohio, Fayetteville subdivision, uh, 118 chickens, uh, several goats and sheep, two rabbits, two dogs, uh, apparently all in the backyard. The uh, looks like they had made like some pallet fences. I mean, it looks like they had tried to to do something. Um, the problem was, again, it it actually takes a lot of effort to raise and care for that many animals. There were apparently dead chickens floating in pails of rancid green-looking water. Uh, volunteers from the uh, local humane shelter who showed up said that there was little food or water on site for the animals. Apparently a neighbor had uh, complained about the stench. The deputy dog warden uh, came out and, and said, I gave him four days to get things straightened up. When I came back, they had done nothing. So I gave him a ultimatum to surrender the animals or get charged. And they, they did. You surrender the animals uh, and will avoid facing charges. There was a three-year-old shepherd uh, named Antonio uh, Dog, by the way, not a, not a human shepherd. I realize I'd probably be more clear with that. Uh, found locked to a short, heavy chain, probably 60 pounds underweight. I mean, just awful. Uh, just awful conditions for these animals. And the explanation, according to the um, deputy dog warden, uh, was that he was, quote, going to try to feed his family on these farm animals. Look, and I, I, again, I can certainly admire the sentiment, but if you find that it's too much for you, and if it, you find it overwhelming, then you, you can't just give up and keep the animals there. I, I Listen, I, I understand feeling overwhelmed and feeling like, whoa, this was way, way, way too much for us to take on and handle. But at that point, it's up to you to find other homes for those animals and go on Facebook and, uh, you know, get involved in some of the uh, farm groups. I, I guarantee you, if you've got too many chickens, someone online will probably take some of those chickens off your hands. If you have too many goats, it might take you a little bit. You're probably going to be uh, struggling maybe to find a home for your buck. Um, but you can you can do it. But you, you can't just not care about the animals that you have anymore. And, you know, trying to turn your backyard. Listen, if we get emails each and every week from folks who are doing amazing things with an acre or two acres and and they're getting it done i mean they're they're incredibly productive on an acre or two acres of land but if you've got a standard size backyard you 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 don't have the space for 120 chickens and goats and sheep and rabbits in their hutches and dogs i mean you just you just don't um, at that point, you're not you're you're you're, you're not a, a small scale like you know homesteader or hobby farmer. You're like a mini factory farm at that point. Uh, and I can't imagine that that is what this uh, individual is set out intending to do. But that is apparently uh, where they ended up.
So hopefully the animals, I think all of the animals have been adopted out already, uh, and that's very good news. But again, it, it that could have happened earlier uh, if the uh, owner had just decided to uh, admit that this was too much for him. Um, if, if you find yourself in that situation, trust me, I don't know anybody, I don't know anybody who has done this and who has raised animals who would who would sniff and say, well, those people are awful. I know the people that I know would say, you know what, that is, I'm really glad that they recognize this and I'm really glad that they asked for some help and I'm really glad that they were, that we were able to uh, take an animal off of their hands. That, that good for them for speaking up. We would much rather, people would much rather see that than the alternative. So a couple of emails I want to get to before we uh, take our first time out. We have a lot. Thank you very much for the emails this week. Deborah uh, sent along, uh, she says, a tale from a place near our future farm. This is from uh, Jack's Shop Kitchen. Uh, com. When the pigs came home, this was uh, from a couple of days ago, October 14th, uh, 2016. And it's uh, all about the uh, first time that uh, this family uh, got uh, their pigs processed and everything that went into it. A, a cross litter between Mulefoot and Berkshire hogs, which is really interesting because they look a lot like uh, our hogs. Maybe a little bit smaller, but uh, uh, very interesting. And I, I won't, I won't uh, give away the entire article. It's very well written, uh, but it is definitely a challenge uh, to, to get these hogs uh, into the trailer for the first time to go to the processor. I'm glad to know that, uh, that I am not the only person who has had to deal with uh, putting the actual hog into the uh uh, the uh, the back of the trailer because yeah it it's uh, it's not as easy as you would think so uh, Jack's Shop Kitchen in Ruckersville Virginia and if that is uh, near your future farm Deborah I gotta say that's absolutely beautiful uh, Ruckersburg north of Charlottesville uh, it's a little to the west of uh, Gordonsville and Orange which is uh, on my route as I. Uh, drive from Farmville up to D.C. It's on uh, 29, so it's it's kind of the uh, the route you take from uh, Charlottesville up to the uh, D.C. area, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. I am uh, I won't say I'm envious of you because uh, we love our spot, Deborah, but uh, I am I am looking forward to hearing more about uh, your future farm. And uh, thank you again for the email. Uh, Rick in Mims, Florida, also a writing in. Rick, thank you, sir. He says, I was raised on a mini farm. I really enjoy the podcast. Best wishes to your wife and yourself. May God bless you and keep you. Uh, thank you, Rick in Mims, Florida. I would love to know more about uh, growing up on a uh, mini farm and uh, where you might have uh, grown up on that uh, mini farm. I'm always fascinated by, uh, by, by how the different farming experiences uh, are around the country. Uh, Brian, with thoughts on the uh, self-driving car, we've got uh, another fantastic email on this coming up in the uh, next segment. Uh, Brian says, I look forward for the record to the days of self-driving cars, but not self-reporting to the government cars. And well, that's always the thing, though, isn't it, right? It's never just quite how you want it. <laughs> it's never just the self-driving cars. No, 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 no. There's always some stuff that goes along with the uh, technological advances. Um, Brian says, to take this to a higher viewpoint, consider the following conversation that often happens with regard to Second Amendment issues. 
Why do I need to show ID to buy a gun? We have to show ID to drive, but driving isn't a constitutional protected right. Driving is a privilege. Uh, Brian says, we on the pro-gun side anyway are happy to point out that the Bill of Rights is not an exclusive list of human rights, but it's simply a top ten list of things that were currently on the minds of the founding fathers. But we don't fight very hard for all those other human things. He says, this is uh, somewhere I think the libertarians have it right, and the right wing has missed the mark. We have to defend our rights across the board. Privacy doesn't just matter when you're being arrested or when you're buying a gun. Privacy matters. To allow infringements of privacy because driving isn't a right simply makes the next infringement that much easier to accomplish. No, I, I, I would agree with you, uh, Brian. And, you know, look, as, as um, I, I've described myself for a couple of years now, I guess, as a conservatarian. I don't even know what the heck that means. Um, I, I, I jokingly call myself a communist as well, and I couldn't necessarily tell you what that means other than I, I, I do believe in consistency uh, in protecting our rights, and that means that, I, that means I'm going to be standing up for the rights of people that I absolutely disagree with. I'm going to be standing up for the rights of people um, who say things and believe things that I don't say or believe because because I want to be able to say what I believe and I want to be able to say what I think. And if they disagree with me, I don't want them shutting me up. So I don't want to shut them up. That's how it works. Right. We, we, we treat each other the way we want to be treated. We respect the rights of others so that our rights are respected. Um, and you're right. We don't think about these things a whole lot, but not only now do you have to worry about again, the, the, the heavy hand of government. Now you have to worry about the sort of, um, the secretive side of the government and uh, what data are they getting from big companies that, that you may or may not know about. Uh, if you're not reading the uh, end user license agreement, what are you giving up when you're accessing uh, various technologies? You know, these are basic questions. We certainly don't have a lot of uh, watchdogs who are telling us, hey, you know, these things are important. And, hey, be aware of what you're giving up. Uh, be aware of the trade-off. That's, that's why I, uh, I've talked about uh, uh, Jaron Lanier a couple of times. But his book, You Are Not a Gadget, is fantastic. It is absolutely spot on. Uh, and if you, Brian, if you feel this way, if you haven't read uh, you are not a gadget by uh, Jaron Lanier. Pick it up. It's it's not a very long read. You can probably make it. Through, I don't know how much free time you have, but uh, it won't take you long at all. Uh, and I think that you would find it right up your alley. To me, it is um, it, it 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 is a, almost a conservatarian, or maybe it is a conservatarian or a libertarian viewpoint. But it's talking about issues that, frankly, we don't talk much about. And they are the, I guess, the, the quote-unquote, the emerging issues. They're the stuff that we we should be paying attention to um, because they're the stuff that's coming as opposed to uh, a lot of times what we do is we pay attention to the stuff that we've paid attention to for the past 30 or 40 years and we neglect what's on the horizon. This is a book about what's on the horizon and how it impacts our individual rights and our individual liberties. So uh, make sure that you check it out. And thank you again for your thoughts. So we've got more on that coming up after a quick break, but we do need to step away for a moment. Stick around, though, because we have more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network coming up right after this. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Part of what made Donald Trump a success 
What's gotten him this far is that the Republican Party politicians have said a bunch of crazy, done a bunch of crazy. All that bile is coming up because people are pissed off. But he's only telling you half the story. The rest of the story is, so has Obama. The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, how about we get to some emails here? I will climb off my soapbox. Apparently I just needed to get that that out. Uh, I'm sure that Tavis Smiley felt better after writing. I felt better after opining uh, and venting. All right, so uh, Jason uh, wrote in. Glad to hear the surgery went well. Thank you, sir. Jason says... uh, you know, you just got to get through it. He says, uh, next few months are going to be hard. Well, you make sure all the cancerous cells are destroyed forever, but you'll be able to be done with it. Sometimes, he says, I can become completely overwhelmed and discouraged with having to deal with my chronic autoimmune disease and the related health problems, especially when I think about how long I will have to be sick. I often think it's impossible to endure this for the rest of my life when it gets really bad, but I can get through today, and I can make it the best that I can. And, you know, Jason, sometimes that's all you can do. And it's not avoidance, by the way, to just think, okay, I'm just going to make it through the morning or I'm just going to make it through the day. That, that's, I think that's actually a really, frankly, it's, it's, it's the most authentic way of dealing with things. You know, I think sometimes we can let things spiral up and blow up in our minds and we think, okay, there's this and then there's this and oh my gosh, that's going to lead to that and this and that and this and then all of a sudden you're overwhelmed. I, I Listen, I've been feeling that this week just with, you know, just all of the stuff that I have to do and all of the people that I'm responsible for and all of the things that I, it's easy. I, I It's human nature maybe to, to think about all of that in toto, Right. But rarely do we have to deal with everything all at once. And we certainly don't have to deal with the rest of our lives all at once. You take it moment by moment. You take it challenge by challenge. You put one foot in front of the other. You get to your destination. You get to your waypoint. And then you keep going. Um, I know people who've gotten through uh, buds with this attitude uh, and became Navy SEALs. And it was, it was, it was the thing that got them through uh, Bud's training was just, okay, not, not, you know, oh my gosh, I've got weeks of this. How am I going to do this for weeks? It's just, all right, I've got this, I've got this next step. I've got this, I I can do it this morning. I just got, just got to get through this and then I'll take whatever they throw at me after this. Um, it's not denial. <laughs> it's not avoidance, Jason. It's it's just um, making sure that you don't get overwhelmed. And listen, you've got uh, folks who are thinking about you. You got folks who are praying for you. And I hope that I hope that you find relief soon, buddy. And I uh, uh, for the rest of the email, uh, Jason had sent me an email about uh, some homeschooling questions. I, I will respond to that, Jason. Uh, it might be this weekend, but I will uh, send you an email. Uh, with some more information. Uh, Robert, in solidarity with a picture of his uh, newly bald head, Robert in Southern California, holy moly, buddy, looks pretty good, keeping the beard and the bald head look. I'm a fan of the uh, bald head and beard. 
You guys are showing me up, though, and, and Missy hasn't even started losing her hair yet. She hasn't even got her hair cut, and already we've got people who are shaving off their heads. Uh, by the way, Missy says, uh, thank you, but there's no need. By the way, if you don't want to shave your head, there's no need to, to shave your head. She, she completely understands. If you have a full, lustrous head of hair, she says, keep it. Um, she's, she's okay, but she also thanks you very much for the support and the solidarity. Uh, Diane, writing in from... California as well says uh, blessings and prayers to you and Miss E as always I just heard you read Tristan's email his story is so inspiring four generations living on the farm everyone with their own job caring for the family through thick and thin that is my dream says Diane that's why we're working so hard to leave California to find our own 40 acres in Texas to be closer to the grandkids free of the debt and taxes that are choking us here and to create a place that will support us and our family I know it's unlikely that any of my kids will want to raise their children on our farm, but it's always in the back of my mind. If I build it, they just might come. Yeah, I, Diane, totally get it. Totally get it. Missy and I have had these conversations about, well, you know, who out of the five would be most likely to, to want to live here? Because, um, you know, when the time comes, when we die, I don't want to, I, I would like to keep the farm in the family. I realize with five kids, there might be some squabbles over uh, who gets it, and maybe the easiest thing to do would just be to sell the place. I'd, I'd hate to see that happen. Odds are, right now, uh, that it would be our youngest daughter would be the most likely to want to stay. Although I think youngest son uh, is a close second. But who knows? Maybe none of them will. Diane says, our oldest son told us this week that they're expecting their first baby. They live in Charlotte, North Carolina, so it'll be almost impossible for us to be a part of the baby's life in any meaningful way. With finances so tight, it'll be a miracle if we get to see the child before its first birthday. In the old days, we'd just whip out a credit card, buy plane tickets, car rental, Airbnb, but we don't live like that anymore. So with these thoughts in my head, Tristan's email hit a tender spot and brought tears to my eyes. And I just want to thank him for telling the story and thank you for reading it. Give Missy my love, one day at a time. And uh, Diane says, I am Lady McBeath, <laughs> B-E-A-T-H on Instagram. I will uh, make sure I follow you, Diane. And I know it's hard. I, I do. And to be 3,000 miles away for your first uh, I, I don't know if this is your first grandchild. It's, it sounds like it might be your first grandchild. But to be 3,000 miles away. Uh, it, it is tough. You know, when we moved from Oklahoma to Virginia, um, at that point, I didn't even have a lot of family left in Oklahoma, honestly. They're, they're sort of spread out all over the country. But we were moving to a place where we didn't have any family nearby. Uh, New Jersey was the closest family that we had. And that was that was hard. It was hard being 1,500, 2,000 miles away from my family when my daughter went off to college and she was 2,000 miles away. That's tough when when you have these milestones in your life and you, you, you want to be such a big part of that. But here's the thing, Diane. You can be a part of your grandchild's life, I think, in a meaningful way, even if you're not there in person. Um particularly as they get, again, a little bit older and you can interact with them in ways that they will remember, right? Even on those um, visits that, that might happen uh, less often than you'd like, you can make that time count. You can follow up with emails. You can follow up with letters. You can FaceTime. You can, you can be involved 
and I I remember a lot about my own grandmother even though growing up I lived in Oklahoma she lived in Massachusetts I didn't get to see her that often in person but she wrote and I wrote and I asked stories I, I, I wanted to know more about my grandmother and my grandfather and they were a huge part my grandfather died when I was two so I never got a chance to meet my my uh, paternal grandfather but my grandmother was hugely important to me uh, growing up even though she wasn't a daily presence or even a, a weekly or a monthly presence in my life so don't underestimate the power that you possess <laughs> as a grandparent even one uh, who might not be in the same state Diane you have a lot of power <laughs> and you have a lot of impact um, all right, a couple more emails here. Uh, uh, Trent on uh, cow farts uh, and the terrifying expansion of smart things. Uh, Trent sends along an article from Modern Farmer regarding seaweed and cow farts. He says, I doubt that I'm the only one that will listen to this this week. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen this make the rounds, uh, Trent. <laughs> and now um, he says, to this car tied into my medical records. Hell damn no, says Trent. It's bad enough I can no longer work on my car. Not that I'm a mechanic by any means, but when I had my 1970 Malibu, I could crawl under the hood and nab next to an engine that sort of made sense. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Trent. I'm not mechanically inclined, really. But my first car, 73 Dodge Dart, I, I could figure that out. I knew, and again, I'm not a mechanic, but but I knew how to tweak the carburetor when the uh, car wouldn't start in the morning. I knew if I shoved a pencil in there to keep the uh, uh, carburetor open that I could actually start my car. You you knew how to do things with your vehicle, right? It wasn't as intimidating uh, as it is. It wasn't mysteriously intimidating as it is now. Uh, Trent says, so now the car gets to tell me when I'm stressed. Log this information. Forward it to my doctor. I'm fighting my growing desire, he says, to run away into the mountains and become a hermit, but it's getting a little rougher when this sort of thing is presented and more people don't say why. He says it's, it's a, it might be a bit of a stretch, but this continuing march towards smarting all the things to make things convenient is really removing responsibility. But worse than that, he says, it's removing the desire to need to know how to do anything. I'll bet less than half the people my age, sister, and can drive a stick. I know way less than half know how to operate a pressure canner or plant a garden or how that pork chop got onto the table. How bad will it be when you don't even have to know how to drive an automatic? But remember, he says, we don't actually have to know anything or remember anything because Google has our back. It's maddening. I'm guilty of it too, says Trent, and that just frustrates me more. I'm going to go crank the uh, back in black disc up to 11 before my garage stereo is linked to a wireless heart monitor and my chickens that change the music when they're stressed. <laughs> Yeah, um, it 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 is removing responsibility, and it is removing the desire uh, to know how to do anything. It is um, look on the on the one hand, right? It makes life quote unquote easier. It's 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 easy, and why should you need to have to know how to uh, pressure can things, and why should you have to need to know how to? Uh, uh, kill a chicken and turn it into a pot pie. Why? Why should you need to learn to be self sufficient? Because you there's no there's no reason to be self sufficient anymore. There's no reason to learn how to drive a car if the car can drive you. There's no reason to learn to do these things. Heck, a hundred years ago, nobody knew. Uh, no, there was no reason to learn to drive a car for most people, right? So most people didn't know how to drive a car. They got along fine. What's the big deal? We adapt. Um, <sighs> 
and I don't know any other way to say this, and I feel like I'm not saying it very well, but we don't just adapt. We lose things. We lose skills that we used to have. And sometimes we don't lose them entirely, but they, they atrophy, they, they, they wither, they become uh, the, the uh, playthings of hipsters. Uh, as opposed to, you know, um, commonplace knowledge. And and I think that, look, maybe in some cases that's great. Uh, very few people know how to make barrel staves, right? Or maybe there are very few people who can make uh, 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 candles or uh, very few people engaged in blacksmithing these days. Um, and, and, you know, society manages to function with, without a, a blacksmith on every corner. But I know I've quoted this before. Uh, Thomas Paine's The Crisis, December 23rd, 1776. So you're about what, almost six months past the Declaration of Independence. Uh, you are about three months past the um, uh, British Army and uh, Navy appearing off the coast of Manhattan and disgorging tens of thousands of troops and... Uh, the Continental Army proceeding to get its ass kicked uh, all across Long Island and Manhattan and into New Jersey. And uh, the Continental Army has spent the last three months on the run. Independence, this was, this was a really stupid idea, uh, is what a lot of people are saying. And Thomas Paine uh, sits down by the light of a fire uh, to, uh, to, to write this on a drumhead as the army is retreating. And he says, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country, but he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Uh, what we obtain, I'm skipping ahead of here, but this is the, the key part, uh, uh, Trent, and this is what sticks out to me. He says, what we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. And I, I keep coming back to that idea more and more these days, because what what do we hold dear these days? What is dear to us as a society? What is dear to us uh, as a nation? If you want to break us down into our uh, uh, own little tribes and collectives, what, 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 is, what is dear uh, to, to those in these uh, subcultures and these uh, tribal affiliations. What, what is dear to us? What matters? And what do we esteem too lightly? What are we taking for granted? I, I, I think broadly, one of the things that I'm concerned about is that we are taking our freedom and our liberty for granted. Uh, our own personal sovereignty. You know, the idea of uh, getting behind the wheel and hitting the open road and going where uh, where you want to go and where you want to drive that that idea didn't exist in 1776 it didn't exist in 1876 but it had become firmly rooted uh, in American culture by 1976 we loved our cars. We had the interstate. Uh, I was at heck. You had the Cannonball Run going on in the nineteen uh, seventies. Um, the the car and the introduction of the car and the ability for 
uh, average Americans to acquire a set of wheels uh, and to be able to go wherever they wanted to go, that meant freedom, right? That meant liberty. And that mattered. Uh, and maybe that was just a, a, a brief uh, burst trend of, of this mattering. And maybe it's not going to matter as much anymore. Maybe we don't need to hit the open road because if we want to go exploring, we can just turn on the console, right? We've got, uh, what, Red Dead Redemption 2 just got announced this week. So, you know, you don't, you don't need to get in the car and drive. You can go ride a virtual horse and maybe this will, you know, get, get supported by a virtual reality uh, and then an open world environment. And why would you ever even need to leave the couch? You can experience a simulation of freedom. Why do you need the real thing? That's what worries me. I, I worry that the simulation of freedom, that the, the experience of almost being free and almost having liberty, it's almost like the real thing. I worry that that is going to be close enough for a lot of Americans. And they'll give up the real thing for the simulation, uh, for the, uh, the, the, the appearance and the facsimile of freedom without the responsibilities. And that'll be worth the trade-off. Sure, it's not the real thing, but you don't have the real responsibilities that come with the real thing either. Uh, that, that, that concerns me a great deal. Trent. So thank you for uh, getting me thinking deeply. I think it was you and not the Belmont Farms whiskey that is uh, causing these deep thoughts this evening, Trent. I appreciate them and uh, hope that you have a fantastic week. Uh, One more, actually two more emails. Uh, One from the Deckers in Oklahoma who says, uh, trolling around in the blaze looking for things to listen to while I worked. I ran across a program called 40 Acres and a Fool, which caught my interest. I listened and kept thinking, this guy sounds so familiar. Well, it turns out that I listened to you when you were on KTOK in Oklahoma City. That is awesome. Uh, It is great to hear from you, Kevin, and thank you for writing in. Kevin says, I wanted to give you some encouragement. I know that you'll have gotten lots of this, but I wanted to give you guys, uh, I wanted to give you a guy's perspective. Uh, when I found out that my baby girl had Hodgkin's lymphoma at the age of 17, which um, she's now 22, she's been in remission for three years. He says, as a dad, I would have taken her place in a minute, but we both know that that's not an option. And I know that you would do the same for your wife. As a man, I wanted to fix it. That's what we do. But I had to take a position of support and listen and just give a lot of hugs and trust that God had a plan for Lorelai. It was a long journey, and it seemed like nothing went as planned, but I have to say, just don't get discouraged. Stand by your woman during this time. Be there for your kids as they have questions and concerns. He says the other thing that we started using to update everyone on the status or what was going on with our cancer journey was the uh, Caring Bridge account. He says, my wife updated this constantly. People close to us or even just, who just wanted to know could go check on it and see the latest, and we didn't have to go through the story over and over. Uh, looking back, Kevin says... Lorelai's cancer journey, uh, I would say, was a bizarre blessing. He says that was even the title of an article that was written about Lorelai's journey in the Daily Oklahoman. Uh, he says, my wife also had a website for Lorelai that she used to update and post info about her make-a-wish that she got to do. And again, in remission for three years, uh, Lorelai, now married, 
And Kevin, I'm really glad to hear that, that she's doing so well. Kevin says, uh, back to what caught my eye when I saw your program. He says, about a year ago, my wife, Andrea, and I purchased 78 acres about five miles north of Wellston, Oklahoma, and have started our journey as farmers. We love it. And I also love your 40 acres in a full program. Our favorite saying is, buy a farm, they say. It'll be fun, they say. You know, for all the work and for all of the moments, Kevin, where you, where you think, I'm a fool for doing this. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I got into something and I don't know what to do here. Um, it is fun. It is. This is dear to me. This is dear to me. The uh, land that my feet are on right now, the knowledge that I have gained over the past few years of where my food comes from, what, what the land looks like when there aren't subdivisions stretching as far as the eye can see, a small town community where people know your name and a lot of them know your business (laughs) Um, all of these things are, are, are dear to me and they are things that I, I didn't know how precious and dear I think they are to our society and to our, our culture uh, until I was exposed to them. So thank you, Kevin and Andrea, for writing in. Best of luck to you uh, in your farm adventures. Uh, I am curious to know, this is uh, you, about a year ago, you say you, uh, you, you bought the farm, quote-unquote, so what type of background did you have going in? Were you just as foolish as Miss E and I were growing up in the suburbs, no real experience? Or uh, is this a, a, a return uh, to a more rural lifestyle? I would, I would love to know uh, more about your background, and I would love to know what actually made you decide that this is what you were going to do. I got to say, you picked a great spot. Um, We looked, like our first inkling, quick story before we go, (laughs) our first inkling that we wanted to uh, move to the country, we were living in Oklahoma City still, and uh, I was making documentaries. Um, This was, I had taken a brief sabbatical. This was like a little uh, time away from KTOK. And I had to go up to Perkins, Oklahoma, which is uh, basically in between Stillwater and Wellston. Um, it's to the uh, northeast of Oklahoma City. And cannot for the life of me remember why I was there, but we ended up talking to this guy who had restored this incredible, absolutely beautiful Victorian home in Perkins, Oklahoma, where nobody lives. Nobody lives in Perkins. It's a really small town. I mean, some people do, but not many. Um, and, and it was so cheap it was so cheap uh it would have been completely impractical for us to move there but it was so tempting at that point um but we had an infant and it would have been probably uh a a good at the time it seemed like it would have been a really long drive to to get to work every day would have been like 45 minutes close to an hour 
that's not as uh, staggering and as as huge a uh, a barrier anymore. But back then it was. Um, but we loved that part of the state, and uh, I gotta say it, that that was that was. So you're not far uh, from where we first figured out. You know what? We want this type of life, and so I'm I'm really glad, Kevin, that uh, that you and Andrea have uh, gone out and started your journey. All right, the email address, if you would like to chime in, is 40acrefool at gmail.com, 40acrefool at gmail.com. No, we went a little long this week. That's what happens when I don't have Missy around to rein me in, but uh, hopefully she'll be feeling back to, if not normal, uh, as normal as Missy gets by this time next week, and she'll be back with us on 40 Acres and a Fool. We'll uh, next week talk about the Halloween party that uh, Missy is uh, uh, absolutely adamant that is going to be thrown. Um, plus, I might have a ghost story from the central Virginia Farmville area to tell you about a, a spooky tale as we get ready for Halloween. So you got that to look forward to. In the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, live, uh, live a lot, learn a lot too, but uh, live a lot. And we will see you here soon with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.